third week of going through Chronicles, and before we jump into our sermon, I just kind of want to pause and, and check in, uh, see how everything's going. Hopefully, as you're starting to read through these chapters of Chronicles, you're seeing some of these themes that we introduced in week one crop up time and time out. Uh, in particular, worship, faithfulness, and seeking God, but we also talked in week one about the line of Judah, the line of Levi. Uh, we talked about welcoming strangers in. Uh, there's this theme of God's shalom or God's peace that begins to become evident as we're reading through the chapters this week. Uh, so hopefully those themes are starting to jump out at you. I just want to remind you that uh, there are more resources available on our website, uh, springcreekcob.org. Uh, you can go there and find out more information. Uh, or you can leave questions or comments, things that you're seeing in the text. And if we have questions, maybe we can uh, try and answer those sometime on Sunday morning. Uh, in a few weeks, uh, there is a catch-up week. Just ketchup, no mustard, no relish. I know you'd ask me later. It's just a catch-up week. Um, we're going to take just a little break in the Sunday sermons from Chronicles, although it's not unrelated to Chronicles that week. Um, it's a little bit of a vision Sunday. Um, right about now, I'm getting close to a year with you, which sometimes seems like um, it's flown by, and other times it seems like we have a good relationship, and it seems like more than a year um, just in the way that we've been able to relate and connect with one another. So uh, I think that's February 10th. We have a combined service. We'll have communion together, but it's a chance to look at where God has brought us from in the last year and look ahead to where God is taking us as a congregation in the year ahead. Uh, and I'm titling that sermon 1 A.D., now, I know most of the time you think A.D., Anno Domini, that's how we keep time. This is one year after Dennis. <laughs> and I asked for permission from Dennis to call it that. I didn't want to be taking his name in vain or anything, uh, so he gave us permission uh, to title it that. I don't know that I'll keep doing, you know, I don't know that we'll be in 2 A.D. and all that, but... That's a little bit about where we're headed uh, in our sermon series. Before we jump into this week's message, uh, would you pray with me? God, I thank you uh, for the opportunity to be here. And I thank you for these that have gathered here this morning. We ask your blessing on those that are often with us here during this service that uh, couldn't get out this morning or didn't feel safe getting here this morning. I ask that you would bless them in their private times of worship this morning. As we come and open up this, um, these chapters in Chronicles, would you speak to us this morning through me or despite me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This week and next week, our themes kind of overlap. Uh, there's some information that we need from Second Chronicles this week, which was not part of our assigned reading. And next week, as we start into Second Chronicles, we'll have to look back to some of the information, some of the text that we read this week. So there's a little bit of an overlap. We read a lot this week about David being set up as the, the nearly perfect king. He brings the ark 
back to Jerusalem, and he begins the process of preparing to build the temple. And he starts to stockpile all kinds of resources, come up with all kinds of people that are going to be a part of this plan of building the temple. He finds the the perfect spot with God's help. He surveys the perfect area. He even comes up with the blueprints for the temple that he'll later hand to Solomon. So he begins to prepare for the temple. And eventually, Solomon takes over and builds the temple, dedicates the temple. This week, we'll focus on worship. Next week, we'll take a little bit more of a look at the man of peace, God's shalom, as we see it in Chronicles. And Solomon and David play a big part in how we understand God's shalom, peace, or wholeness in the story of Chronicles. But this week, we are focusing on spirit-filled worship from chapters 22 to 29 in 1 Chronicles. David is involved in getting things together, ready for his son Solomon to build the temple. David knows that he is not going to be the one to build the temple. He is, God has said, you aren't the one, you are a man of war, you have too much blood on your hands, which we'll focus in a little bit more on next week. But David begins to stockpile supplies to build the temple. It says he has 100,000 talents of gold. He has a million talents of silver, bronze and iron, the text says, beyond weighing. And besides that, he has wood and stone. He starts to collect uh, people to be a part of building the temple, wood carpenters, uh, stone cutters, people to work with the gold and the silver. All kinds of people start giving of themselves to build the temple. And as David begins to hand off these responsibilities to Solomon, in 1 Chronicles uh, 22, verse 13, David tells Solomon to be strong and of good courage. It strikes me that this is a huge project that Solomon is undertaking. It's going to take a lot of time, resources, uh, people to construct this temple, to worship God, to proclaim God's name. But it's worth it in order to proclaim the name of the Lord. And so David encourages Solomon repeatedly, be strong and of good courage. I'm going to be with you through this whole process. This is a huge undertaking that you're not doing by yourself. As we begin to worship, God is there with us. In chapter 24, we have this list of people to serve. It's filled with priests, Levites, musicians, gatekeepers, all the people that are needed in order to make the temple and worship work. Lots of people that are involved in preparing bread and and praying and serving and changing water and sacrificing and the whole system of the temple. There's people that are designated to be a part of that process. And one of the people that gets thrown into this list of those that are going to serve, we were introduced to last week, Obed-Edom, which is interesting when you're reading in chapter uh, 26 is where his line gets put in. There's no comment about who his ancestors are. It just says, and Obed-Edom had sons, and it starts listing everyone that comes after him. 
Remember, Obed-Edom is a Gittite. He is from Gath. He is an outsider who has been faithful to God. He has housed the, the Ark of the Covenant at his home, and God has blessed him. And now, that's not the end of the story. Obed-Edom becomes a part of the group of people that are going to continue to serve God, continue to be faithful and seek Him in the temple. And actually, the list of those that are descended from Obed-Edom is longer than any of the other lists of those Levites. It's not just Obed-Edom. It's his family, his sons, those that come after him who remain faithful who are involved in worship, involved in proclaiming the name of the Lord. Eventually, David hands Solomon the blueprints for the temple in chapter 28. And here again, David repeats, be strong and of good courage, but now he adds, and act. Be strong and of good courage, and now do something about it. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And then David and the people willingly and lavishly begin giving to the work of the temple, donating their their resources, their skills, and their talents so that this temple could be built. And they give huge amount, 100,000 talents of gold, million talents of silver, and if that million isn't enough, bronze and iron beyond weighing, this theme of worship then continues. In Second Chronicles chapter 6, Solomon prays and dedicates the finished temple, and then in chapter 7, the Spirit of the Lord comes into the temple fills it, and God is worshipped there. And this worship is extravagant. It is lavish. The people come, and in their world, that involves a lot of sacrificing. They just start hauling in livestock, and this is how they dedicate. This is how they worship. Great for them. Glad we're moving past that. Um, But they worship God. They bring everything they are all of their resources, all of their abilities, and they lay it before God, and they worship Him. And as this theme of worship continues through Chronicles, the kings throughout the book are evaluated on how they worship, but how they are faithful to God, faithful to Yahweh. Some kings remain faithful. They stay true to worshiping God. Others kind of up their game. They, they worship God, but they also get rid of idols and shrines to, to foreign gods. They, they knock them down. They, they destroy them. Only the name of God. Other kings allow those idols to stick around. They might worship God, but they allow this idolatry to continue in Judah. But then there's also kings They completely abandon Yahweh. They turn their eyes from worshiping the one true God, and they start worshiping the Baals, these foreign idols. 
They stop seeking God. They stop being faithful to God. But then there's a few kings that we'll study a little bit more in depth who are faithful, who turn back to Yahweh, who restore worship of Yahweh, who even bring back Passover and say, brothers, sisters, come back. Let's, let's celebrate this Passover together. This is what we're supposed to be about. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be coming and worshiping Yahweh, proclaiming His name among the nations. See, worship matters. And worship is formative. I've talked about this a couple of times in the last few months, about how worship forms us. We come and as we worship God, we are formed into His image. But do you know, it doesn't matter what you worship, you are formed into the image of whatever you worship. Some kings choose to worship the Baals. And they become formed into the image of those Baals, becoming more violent, turning their their back on, on God, not going in the direction that God wants them to. So one question I have for us is, who or what are we being formed into the image of? I'd love to say that it's God, that it's Jesus, that Jesus is the first in my life. But I have to sometimes look and wonder, whose image or what image am I being formed into? And so what does this worship in Chronicles have to do with us? Well, the first thing is that worship here is extravagant. You see all the gold, all the silver, wood, stone, huge amounts of people that devote themselves to building the temple. Here, extravagance comes in all of these resources that are given. But in the New Testament, we also see some other displays of extravagant worship. We see Mary Magdalene. Jesus enters her home, and her act of worship is to take a jar of perfume and to break it and to anoint Jesus' feet and to wash His feet with her hair. All the disciples are looking on going, what a waste. What a waste. We could have sold this. You could have given it to the poor. Sounds like what we brethren would probably do, which is fine. But Jesus says, she's anointed me. She has come and she is worshiping. And right now, this is the space she needs to be in. And this is a, she has done a, a beautiful thing. It might not be thousands of talents of gold, huge amounts of silver. She is worshiping extravagantly. There's another story where Jesus is in the temple watching everyone bring their offering. And some are bringing huge amounts. They're just opening up their pocketbook dropping in bills and, and, or swiping their credit cards or however they're paying their, their tithe, and, and they're very proud of it. And in walks a widow, and she drops her few last coins. All she has, 
Jesus says, she's given more than everyone else. Everybody else gave out of their abundance, but she gave all she had. She has worshipped extravagantly. It's not the amount that matters. It's where our hearts are at. It's whether we're willing to bring everything we are and have to God and say, here I am, use what I am to bring glory to your name. This is what extravagant worship is about. Worship in Chronicles is also about proclaiming the name of the Lord. As others begin to hear about David's plan to build the temple, other kings, other kingdoms are sending in resources. They are sending in people, craftsmen, artisans to help in building the temple. Others are hearing about Yahweh. God is doing something amazing in Judah. You should hear about what David has in store. In 2 Chronicles, the queen of Sheba has heard about what Solomon's got going on. And she wants to come and see if it's true. She wants to know more. So she comes to see how God has blessed Solomon and blessed the people. Now today, proclaiming the name of the Lord may look very different than it does in Chronicles. We're probably not going to start hauling in livestock and mass slaughtering out in the parking lot. I hope that's not what we're doing. I'm sure we draw a crowd. Um, you know, we probably hear a lot of people saying, oh my God, but I'm not sure it'd be in the way we want them to. Um, it has changed for us. And yet the church's mission is to continue to bear witness to Jesus Christ the Savior, the Redeemer, the King. Our worship should continue to proclaim the name of the Lord. And it's not just, worship isn't just something that happens here on Sunday morning. There are opportunities all throughout the week for us to worship, for us to be turning our attention and our eyes to Jesus. And as other people see us living in those ways, they start to say, something's, something's going on. Something different is happening in their life. And I want to know more. I want to know more about what's different. And that's an opportunity for us to say, Jesus Christ has done amazing things in my life. Won't you come and see? Come and see what Jesus is doing. It's an opportunity for us to proclaim the name of the Lord. But one of the best things, one of the things that I love is that in Chronicles, the priests and the Levites are those that are called to lead worship. And yet our call, from, call to worship from 1 Peter 2 is that we are all now a part of the priesthood of believers that we all have an opportunity to come before Jesus. It, it's not just about the pastor or the priest. Do you know that your prayer is heard by God just the same as my prayer? 
I understand why sometimes people, they want the pastor to pray. But do you know what? I don't have a special hotline. Especially the last couple days with the snow. Somebody said, well, isn't that your responsibility? Don't you have, like, special access? And I wanted to go, no. No, praise God. No, it's not just me. Sometimes I get asked to pray at family dinners, and I don't go, you know that you can pray too. I'm, it's a privilege to pray. Don't, don't get me wrong. But God hears your prayer and my prayer the same because we are all called to the priesthood of believers. This week, in addition to your uh, Chronicles reading, if you want to read uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, especially in light of what we're talking about, worship, exile, and faithfulness, you might find 1 Peter 2 very interesting. See, we all worship something. Money, beauty, a sunset, family, God or gods. Everyone worships something. We were made to worship. And like those who gave to the temple or Solomon, or the massive amounts of sacrifice that people made, whether that was giving money or time or talents or all the animal sacrifices, we sacrifice for those things that mean the most to us. We sacrifice our time. We give priority. We give financial resources. We might sacrifice relationships for those things that mean the most to us. So this morning, what is most important to you? What is most important to us? Like I said earlier, I know the Sunday school answer is Jesus. I know that's what my answer is supposed to be. But sometimes I have to look at my life and go, is this what you're sacrificing for? Are you willing to bring everything you are and have before Jesus and say, God, here I am in my brokenness It's not much, but take me, use me, help me to proclaim your name. Are we willing to sacrifice for him who means most to us? I said it before, worship, faithfulness, and seeking God. These are the things most important in Chronicles. And today we're focusing on worship. Our worship should be extravagant. Our worship should proclaim the good news of God. And our worship should cost us something. God, we're in awe of the preparation that went into building the temple and into the planning of worship. We're in awe of the resources of time and and people and effort that were put into worship here in Chronicles. And yet David turns around and says, God, who are we that you would bless us this way? You have provided everything for us, and we just give a portion of that now back to you. God, we want to worship you with everything that we are and have like those who helped to build the temple. And we want to be strong and courageous. And God, we want to act.
as your spirit filled the temple at the dedication, we want to come before you and dedicate ourselves to you to be filled with your spirit. We want your spirit to move in the midst of our community of faith here at Spring Creek. God, we ask that as we worship, help us to continue to be faithful and to seek you. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. As we close in worship this